0: Hey everybody, welcome to It's Real with Jordan and Demi, alongside Demi Ramos here in New York City. I'm Jordan Edwards. Welcome to the show. We are very excited to have one of my favorite rock artists on today. You may know him for his work as the frontman of Switchfoot. John Foreman also has a really uh, robust solo career that, that spans, you know, two and a half decades. Uh, he's got some really great new music out. His new album Departures is out now, and uh, we're really excited to talk to him. So let's bring him out. Everyone, please welcome John Foreman. Hi. John, what is going on? First of all, great bandana game.
1: You know, it's just, it's at the ready at any moment. Yeah. We, we're distant. All right. I'm ready for you. Where yeah. Are you right now? I'm in San Diego, home sweet home. This is our our home studio, and- we have kind of bunkered up during
2: peak of the studio.
1: Yeah, sure. I'll show you around. This is, uh, this is like, I mean, how, how in-depth do you want to go? We can, uh,
2: <laughs> Anyone Whoa. Wi-Fi. It looks pretty yeah, these are, beautiful. these are
1: surfboards, bunch of surfboards up there, Whoa. surfboards and guitars pretty much everywhere. And that um... could be
0: like a title of your biography, surfboards and guitars. <laughs>
1: yeah so we basically we were like well if we're gonna do this if we're gonna be stuck at home and we can go into the studio let's let's make the studio amazing and so that's what we've been doing this is uh i got i got people near me so this is this is eric frost hey what's up this is what's going on eric here. Woo! yeah you're live around the world wow live <laughs> Love to see it. yeah so that's our studio it's awesome. it's a blast. It's good. Like it is my sanity during this year where I'm like, okay, I feel some crazy feelings. I need to go to the studio and, and figure out what to do with them.
0: So is this where departures your new album? Is this where this, it was created?
1: Yeah. Um, pretty much entirely here, except for the beginning of the lockdown when I was at home. So this is this is the place. It it's like this uh I'm sure every everyone needs to have their happy place. For me, this is like either here or in the ocean. Those are my two places where I feel safe and I can understand things.
0: <laughs> well, the new album is gorgeous um and I would describe it as different than Switchfoot but still friendly enough for Switchfoot fans yeah. to kind of uh to swallow, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So tell us about the music behind this because it does kind of have that switch foot feel, but it's a little earthier. It's a little, um, I don't know. It's a little more of us on the singer songwriter side. So tell us about, you know, the music of this album, where it came from.
1: Yeah. So I think a lot of it, you know, came from the year we just went through, I think, Um, W.H. Alden says that um, poetry is the clear expression of mixed emotions. And I feel like that songwriting for me is that expression. And this particular record came from almost like those dark confessional moments um, where nothing feels clear. And I feel like for me, you can either ignore those things or you can... Embrace it and tell the truth and get it out, and so that's kind of what this album is for me. And as far as it being different than Switchfoot, I feel like it's a lot easier to confess when you're not holding an electric guitar with a bunch of drums and amps and things behind you. That you can, when you strip everything away, it feels like it's much more honest in that particular approach.
2: Were most of these songs written during like the darkest times of the quarantine?
1: Yeah, a lot of them, if they weren't written during that time, it definitely was, it had to be a song that resonated um, with the feelings of the year. So, for example, um, there's a song on the record, Jesus, I Have My Doubts. And I feel like that, I don't know that that could have come from a different year. It felt like it it was, it was, came to me in you know from circumstances and um you know i I don't think i was the only one wrestling with you know death of people around me and and some dark feelings and and misgivings but i felt like i wanted to just kind of enter into that and make it through to the other side so there's a song on the record that um actually wasn't written during this time. But the reason why it qualified was because it felt like it embodied what the year was about. Um, The song uh, A Place Called Earth that I actually wrote a couple years back with Lauren Daigle. And it I found it on a hard drive and thought, Oh, my gosh, this has to go on the record. It feels like it's in keeping with everything that that is happening right now.
0: Let's talk about that Lauren Daigle collaboration. You've seen her, you know, she was featured on a Switchfoot song several years ago, um, and you've kind of seen her grow from this, you know, small, you know, like senior people, the Christian music community knows, to really an international superstar and kind of bring it full circle by having her on this track. So what is it like seeing, watching her career grow and then using, uh, you know, collaborating with her to make music for you know this project
1: yeah i mean um i grew up in a scene in san diego that we were all very proud of each other um i don't know like it might be it's different everywhere but you guys are coming from new york city um it might be different there but for us whenever any one of our our crew our friends got a a deal or or started touring it felt like a, a victory for everyone. And I have that same kind of feeling for Lauren, because I feel like she's like this little sister that I'm watching um, kind of spread her wings and, and take flight. And so, um, yeah, I'm really proud of her. And and so it, it felt like to be able to collaborate again and, and put the song together that we wrote years ago um, felt like a good moment of, you know, kind of, being able to embrace the past and the present move forward together.
2: The album cover is so cool and almost a little unexpected to me coming from from you. Uh, Can you kind of explain how you came up with this idea and like the whole eyes are being covered? What's the story behind that?
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, that guy that you met in the studio um, a few minutes ago, his name's Eric Frost, and he is one of our friends it's a bunch of friends that we all work out of the studio he's in a band we're all in bands we're all kind of you know he's he's a kind of in charge of all the uh visuals that we do with Switchfoot or solo and um so we did a photo shoot me and him late one night and he had this acrylic uh it's like a, a this thing that he had created that you could men you could manipulate a piece um this clear thing in between the the lens and the subject so that that is that um tape over the eyes is actually tape um that i'm looking through this this lens and there's nothing like digitally done afterwards the picture is actually just that's the way it looks um and yeah it was really kind of a strange way to to shoot like um no Photoshop, but everything done in the moment. And that's that's where the, that picture comes from.
0: Well, it's it's a, it's a really cool album cover. And um, I think that you, you do the whole package, the aesthetics of the album and the sound, it just fits perfectly. But I also, so one thing that's, so first of all, John, when I booked this interview, I told Demi that you have one of my favorite rock voices. <laughs> I feel like when I came up in the in the 2000s when Switchfoot was like really breaking out, that sound of the crunchy, like, you know, really like edgy uh, guitars that Switchfoot had and your voice just kind of floated over the top of it, almost just kind of uh, not to make a surfing pun, but like a wave, you know. Um, and you came up in this era where people were screaming and you came up in the, you know, I think about all the rap metal and the emo core and things like that, but you maintain this great, like smooth voice. So tell us about how you resisted, you know, you <laughs> could have like maybe sold more records if you would have screamed a little more, but you know, oh. you did it.
1: We had a, a record exec tell us the head of Sony at the time. Um, He, it was at the Grammys and he pulled me back to his like huge, Bungalow that, you know, you take a meeting with him like the king or something, <laughs> and I go back there and he he tells me that we we failed because we lost the battle and that Nickelback won. And there he was you like were
0: defeated by Nickelback. You know, oh, he
1: was like, you should have done something more like this, and I was like, I don't, I don't know. I'm gonna be me. I I I um. you should
0: have permed your hair, John. You should have permed your hair. <laughs> You know. And
1: I, I have nothing against um, Rapcore or Nickelback or anyone. I just think I'm a horrible actor and I feel like I have to be myself. You know, like I'm, i am you can ask my wife, I'm the worst liar ever. I like, I like kind of smiley, smirky guy who's <laughs> like, yeah, I don't think I should do this. You know, I'm, I'm, so I, I think it wasn't an active choice to say, Hey, we're going to, um, I think it was just, intentionally just trying to be ourselves, you know, and ride out whatever wave is going to come and go.
2: When writing songs like Meant to Live, I mean, that's one of my favorite songs of all time. I was listening to that the other day with my little sister. And we were jamming out. It's just, it's timeless. Some of of your songs are just timeless. Um, Did you, when writing songs like that, were you aware of the potential that it had and how how big of a hit it was going to be?
1: Oh, no, it's strange because music is, I always equate it with archeology span where every day you get up and you take your shovel and you just start to dig and you see what you've, you've got. And, um, and that particular song was what we uncovered that day, you know, and, and yet at the same time for me, like, a I I love it when people around the world can hear the song. It's such a, a powerful thing to be able to go overseas, for example, and, and have, a bunch of people singing a song that, that means a lot to you. That that is truly powerful. But the the crazy thing is, for me, music is this continual quest for something that you you cannot express in the moment. And and um, I've been I've t- talked about this so so many songwriters. You're trying to when you write a song, you're trying to stop time. You're trying to like make people levitate or explode or something that would never happen. And um, of course, you finish the song. And it hasn't happened. So you have to write another one, but I love the chase. I love the pursuit. And I don't think in the moment you're thinking of any form for me, at least you're not thinking of any form of, um, hit per se. You're just thinking of, of the feeling that that one song gives you in that one moment. Well, speaking of
0: that specific song, you know, we get into the guitar nerd stuff on here and, that riff at opening riff of meant to live in stereo da 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 and you know exactly if you know the song you know exactly what I'm talking about that's my impersonation so I don't
1: trip
0: off it the copy when I do that I don't want to trip off like the copyright yeah that's my impersonation <laughs> of the uh of the opening riff of meant to live um it's a quintessential 2000s rock riff. Even if you don't know the name of the song, you've heard that riff. And I think that's the ultimate compliment to a song. If you have a song that people know it, even if they don't know the name of the song, you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. And our biggest compliment to that riff was when Cypress Hill made a, they made a, a a song where they ripped it off and put their beat underneath it. And I'm like, okay, we've arrived. Nice. Some West
0: Coast is. love. Some West yeah. Coast love. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so was that a riff that had been, that had been popping around your head for a while, or was that a spontaneous, you know, and even the decision to, 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 to really do the stereo back and forth thing in the recording,
1: the stereo thing I'm I'm a such a fan of the Beatles and I love their use of the stereo field and probably had to be inspired by them in some way. The riff was actually written. I don't have an acoustic guitar on me, but it was written, um, on an acoustic guitar, and I had been renting this place near the beach right after dropping out of college, and that um, I'd been messing around with bending the low string, and that came from it's. It's fun to think back, and um, because the, the irony is, no one really knows where music comes from, and and so that's the beautiful thing is that we're all kind of the put you know never ending novice that you're always always in that place of wonder
0: yeah totally and you you have like that whole era was just it's almost strange and i'm i'm glazing over the top of you know i'm i'm leaving out some details but essentially what happened is first of all personally you're a, you're a devout christian the band are christian but you weren't switchfoot is not necessarily a christian band you just kind of got there, because of a record label buyout, you kind of got promoted as a CCM band. And then your music ends up on the Walk to Remember soundtrack, and that propels you into the mainstream. I know I'm like glazing over details, but is that essentially what happens? Like, um, what am I missing? I think, well, I think that... Like, how did you end up on the Walk to Remember soundtrack <laughs> after being on this, being labeled a CCM band?
1: Yeah, you know, I think... Um... You know, we've always thought that that Christianity's a faith, not a genre. And so, you know, we grew up playing bar mitzvahs and frat parties and bars and churches and everywhere, coffee shops, anywhere. And it didn't feel like um, uh, we I guess we didn't have the close minded thing of like we have to be our songs are for this one demographic and no one else. Um, the Walk to Remember thing. Uh, that was a friend of ours from high school who happened to be up in LA working for a guy who's doing the music for that and she had just gotten the job and he was looking for songs for that particular film and she said hey my buddies are in this band that I went to high school with and you should check it out I think it'd be perfect for Mandy to sing and that's that's how those songs got into that particular soundtrack and i remember doing the red carpet and we walked the red carpet because we we had been on tour in a minivan kind of thing and we drive to la and we walk the red carpet and the the camera guys are like saying who are you guys and and we're saying we're no one just just take the pictures of of mandy and move on now, did
0: you, have you and Mandy met in real life where you had this mutual, like you both kind of boosted each other's careers. Like you just had this one moment where you crossed your, your creativity, her as an actor, she was a band kind of crossed in this weird, strange way. And your careers were boosted because of it.
1: Yeah, she's, I mean, every time we've ever met or hung out, she's always just everything that you think she is. She's very sweet, very real. And um, yeah, I mean, it is, yeah, she's just a great, great person.
2: How people see you guys playing live. I mean, it's really something to see. It's just like you guys are all over the place, like true rock band style. Um, people are thinking, yeah, like rock band, trashing hotels, girls backstage, living the life, you know? Well, how are you guys able to successfully combine rock and your faith?
0: Yeah, how do you avoid the rock and roll lifestyle, John? <laughs>
1: I don't know. I think, you know, uh, I think faith is what you do with your life. I think your faith is, is your lived actions, you know? So I, I think that, um, it's, it's easier to say what you believe by looking at someone's actions rather than looking at their words, you know? Um, and I know a ton of incredible, um, rock bands that, that are just amazing, genuine people that are living out their faith. Um, I think, yeah, the, the stereotype of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, you know, there's, there's definitely, that is one element, but it's the same within the surfing culture where, you know, I know a lot of amazing surfers that, that are really clean cut and, and don't do drugs and, and don't party every night. So I think for us, it's it's always been a matter of just saying, well, who are we and we want to live our lives and make the best music for open-minded people.
0: Now, don't take this in the wrong way. This is a complete compliment. You look like you could be a character in like a uh, a romantic comedy where the single mom goes and meets the guy in the surf shop. So it's, it's ironic that you, you know, that this Nicholas Sparks movie helped boost your career. And you actually kind of look like a Nicholas Sparks surf instructor who, who like falls in love with a single mom. I'm just saying,
1: you know, the single, the single mom, it's always gotta be the single mom. Always you know, a single
0: mom. You know, she's down in her luck. She's got a kid who's kind of a pain in the butt and they're, she goes into the surf shop, you know, to maybe look for a job or something. And there's John Foreman behind the counter, waxing a surfboard. I mean, that, I, that's that's a scene right there. That's a scene right there.
1: There it is. No, I mean, no, I, I have never read a Nicholas Sparks um, book, have you ever but seen I, that book? I, I you know, I don't think I've seen that one. Mm. I, I did see Walk to Remember, though. I like well, the tagline. John you saw Clark. the one that
0: you had it you had something Clark. to do it. That's good. <laughs> now, when I I posted a little promo on my personal Facebook that I was going to have you on, um and a joke I one of my friends who's also his named Jordan uh is a music pastor in Kansas City where I grew up and he's always been this advocate of Christian music doesn't have to be cheesy. Uh I joke about there's there was this plague of of fake Rhodes pianos that hit churches in the late 80s and every church Christian music had to suddenly sound everything had to sound like air supply or something. So, um, how do you feel about the way Christian music has evolved in terms of the quality since you've kind of started in the industry and seen, you know, and you've worked with people even if Switchwood isn't a distinctly Christian band.
1: Um, I think again, it really I have a hard time using the adjective Christian to describe a certain type of music. I feel like it, it's more affiliated with how we treat each other than it is like what kind of guitar you play. And, um, so it's, it's tricky for me to like, I think, I mean, I think music in general is it's at a really exciting place right now where, you know, kids in their bedroom can make, an incredible song that gets huge on TikTok and and blows up. I love that. That that if you've got a great idea, the world is listening. And um, yeah, most of the things that when I was a kid that we made in our bedroom sounded really horrible. So I think you know what I'm talking horrible.
0: about, though. That kind of like like easy listening CCM kind of music that was really big in the early to mid 90s is what I'm talking about. You know.
1: I mean, I grew up my. My dad, um, even though my dad was a pastor, he taught me Stairway to Heaven. So I I kind of had dad understanding cool understanding of what uh, music was, I guess. But yeah, th- I mean, I think like when I hear music from the 80s, it doesn't. I think I prefer the 70s and the 60s to the 80s. You're the
0: same way. Demi is like, it was like, Demi is a big music fan. She's looking at me, but she knows exactly what I'm talking about. She is Loves the '70s, loves the '90s. Could take or leave the '80s. Am I? Am I right, oh, Demi? Yeah.
1: What
2: is that?
1: I don't <laughs> know. I, I I feel the same way, and I have friends that will argue the merit of certain music. And I'm sure there's a lot of great stuff in there. But I, if it if it ceased to exist, I'm I'm. I mean, we'd all miss the <laughs> Cure, maybe. But you know, yeah, yeah. I, I mean,
0: think about. I think about a good example of that is think about how cool heart was in the seventies and think about the songs heart put out in the eighties, you know, like <laughs> or or Elton John or the rolling um, yeah. Stones. There's so many examples of bands who like kicked ass in the seventies and then like their eighties music just didn't quite have the, the punch of the seventies stuff, you know?
1: Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I do think um, that's the, the blessing and the curse of technology, right? Where suddenly you have, you have the ability to get things perfect and with tech with computers and, and drum machines. And you realize, wait, I think I like imperfections. I think I love mistakes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, and you being a guitar band, it was, must've been exciting when you were, when you were getting started in the nineties that you had had this kind of like this alternative grunge foundation laid for you and you could do what you want with it, you know?
1: Yeah, you know, it's so, so funny because I, I grew up, I loved, you know, I mean, so many of the bands that were big when I was in high school were, you know, seminal bands. Um, and but at the same time, I, I kind of loved the 70s. I was like a Zeppelin freak and, and the 60s with the Beatles. And I feel like for me, it, that's what I listened to. And then I'd listen to all my friends who are playing backyards around San Diego. And that was like, for me, if you were, if you hit it, it meant that you, tu- you did a tour of California. Those were like, oh my gosh, you're huge. You just did, you put out a, a CD. Wow, you guys have made it, you know?
2: Was so that always the mission for the band? I mean, to make it as big as possible or is that something that was just surprising for you guys?
1: I, it is absolutely surprising. Um, I didn't, I thought of music almost like surfing where it's an incredible pastime that I will do for the rest of my life but I don't I didn't see it as a fiscal enterprise that you would actually be able to pay a house payment or something like that with I always thought you know graduate college and you know being a band that's those were all my heroes locally they worked at the record store or whatever um but th- their passion was music and that's that when it started to come to us where we could actually tour and um, support ourselves, it was much more of a surprise than a goal achieved.
2: How awesome was it to have your brother in the band? I must ask. My sisters, or was it a pain?
1: <laughs> Did
2: you guys help each other like stay on tracks? I know like being on the road can be crazy.
1: Yeah. I mean, to have somebody around you close enough to punch you in the face when you're but, an idiot is that a good happen? thing, you know? I mean, we all need that every now and then like, what are you doing you're not you know i think to have that kind of ballast in your camp is a huge thing and he he is one of the most patient people i i have grown to respect him in so many ways we we used to not get along very well and um you know not quite oasis you know backstage but definitely uncomfortable and and i think learning how to fight was a huge um, success for us to be able to know that you're fighting because you actually care and to look to the fight as the expression of love almost you know like we are fighting over this thing because it's we care so much that we're not just going to let it go and, and there was um, no
0: issue of you being the front person and him not being the front person
1: the funny thing is i i i had to learn how to be a front person i i don't like being like if there's a, a party, I'm the guy in the corner who's, who's like playing, hanging out with like the kids or playing cars or something, you know, like I'm I'm I don't like to be in the spotlight. <laughs> playing cars. And so I had to learn how to um, how to do that. that. And it was I think I've I've come to a place where I can get inside the song and and just represent the song rather than myself. And that's the way I I perform.
2: It's funny you say that um, because one of my favorite questions to ask on this show is who is the person behind the music? You know, stripped down. Um, who's the man underneath, like the shh and the burn? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Um, Are you,
0: you're one of those guys who's like more boring than what people would expect? That's the (laughs) answer we get a lot.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I love philosophy books. I love surfing. I love playing with my kids. And um, are your
0: kids musicians? Have they gotten into music?
1: Yeah. You know, I, my friend who is an artist, he defines an artist as someone who appreciates beauty. And I feel like that is a very helpful definition to kind of borrow with music because i find so many people that actually listen to music that love music I, i'd almost call them a musician more than the guy who's very proficient at his instrument but doesn't actually listen or love music you know and so with that definition my kids are absolutely musicians they love music and i love listening to music with them it is so fun to play like michael jackson or bill withers or you know these songs that you, that you've heard a million times to play them for your your kids for the first time is the best and you can stack the deck you can be like here's here's what we listen to this is miles this is you have, you
0: have a fresh mind to to like infiltrate with the music that you think they should hear
1: yeah it is it is phenomenal cuz you can be like um you can be there to watch their face for the first time they hear strawberry fields and think okay this this is unreal. This is your first time hearing this. I can't. Well, we can't. look
0: forward to the Partridge family style um, Foreman <laughs> family band at some point in the future.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm all for it. I, yeah. I think I'd be kicked out of the band.
0: Yeah. <laughs> all right, John. Well, we will let you go. Thank you so much for joining us. Congratulations on the new album. It sounds great. And I hope you get out to tour on this thing soon. Do some festivals, do some concerts, you know,
1: i love it yeah and um say hi to new york city it's been a minute so hope to be out there soon we will thanks
0: thanks a lot john we'll talk to you later see you guys that was john foreman lead singer of the band switchfoot his new album departures is out now dimmy (laughs) dimmy loved doing this interview um she loves any kind of like origin story what'd you think about john's whole deal
2: I mean, we—it's there's just nothing better than than you know an all-American band like, sh- like making some of the best music in the world. Yeah. And um, no matter yeah. the genre.
0: That's the weird thing about Switchfoot is they were like they sound like a mainstream rock band, but when you try to put them into the categories of the time, you know they don't sound like Papa Roach or Limp Biscuit or something like that, and. They sound. They have a little bit more artistry than than uh, you know your your Nickelbacks and Three Doors Downs of the world, which you know John kind of touched on that, which was kind of fun.
2: Such a cool guy though, too.
0: Yeah, yeah, and great hair. Great hair. Great hair. Uh, I was yeah.
2: like, wow. I was about to ask him, like, okay, where do you think you yeah. like, it like?
0: He's Yeah. Yeah, like, like... but he does look like a Nicholas Sparks character, like in a <laughs> movie. He totally does. Okay. Anyway. All right. So thank you everyone for joining us here on It's Real with Jordan and Demi. You can find our whole archive of, of past shows on popdust.com or on wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple Music, whatever. And you can see video versions on Facebook Watch and YouTube. So until next time, thanks for watching and we'll see you later.